Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. How does it feel when you're at a crossroads in your business? Do you look for investment? Do you continue as you are? Do you fold the business or something else entirely? And that's something that I'm going to be talking today to Nikki, the founder of Wilder Ones, as this is where she finds herself at the moment in her business. But thank you very much, Nikki, for joining me today. Pleasure. Thank you. So let's get started in terms of, can you talk a little bit about your background and Wilder Ones and when you set it up? Yeah, so my background is nothing to do with fashion or retail. Um, My background was events. Um, Mm -hmm. I worked in events as a graduate and then I set up my own events business in 2011. Um, But after my second maternity leave in 2020, we all know what happened in 2020, um, everybody's perspectives changed. I was on mat leave with my youngest and... I had this idea in my head of starting a clothing brand, which when I started out was a kid's clothing brand because I had Mm. a girl and a boy and I was very into um, unisex clothing, being able to pass things between them from a sort of economical and environmental point of view. Um, So I just did tons and tons and tons of research. Um, I have a fairly entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I've started a business before, um, My dad was an entrepreneur and I think I sort of have that in me. And so the idea came to me and then I was slightly hell bent on making it happen. But having no background in fashion or retail, it was literally learning everything from scratch. So when he was napping, when he was a baby, I was just researching, researching and putting a plan together. Um, And I launched Wilder Ones mainly as a unisex kids clothing brand um, in spring 2021. So only just over a year ago in terms of when I actually went live with the website. Um, Started doing small amounts of women's wear and then the women's wear really picked up. And because of the climate and kids clothing and because it's organic and ethically made, it was more expensive. And I found that I couldn't really continue with the with the kids wear at the scale that I was at it was sort of wasn't viable so um now it's entirely women's wear focused and so you're just over a year and in terms of I suppose not from the idea but from the launch mm-hmm. and can you talk me through what what's brought you to looking for investment now I think in a nutshell growing pains mm-hmm. um you know cash flow (laughs) you know I've talked about it to my to my sort of Instagram followers before because I have run businesses before so I'm into the numbers I enjoy the numbers and cash flow can kill businesses big and small Um, and it's especially difficult to navigate for a small growing business because actually cash flow difficulty is a symptom of growing pains Mm. Um, if you are wanting to scale 
but you know the initial investment my personal investment is kind of gone and I don't have any more to put into it I'm at a point where everything that I order then just pays for the next the next round of stuff and stuff and it's just got to a point where the hamster wheel isn't it it just you don't feel as if you're getting it you're just in that little plastic (laughs) white ball you know know, it stands to reason that you know you do that enough times and you kind of scale enough you have a business but I think cash flow could could kill you in the interim and I was reaching a point where obviously we're in a difficult climate at the moment sales go through real peaks and troughs some products sell better than others everything is trial and error and I've reached a point with it where I'm like either I need to take it to the next level get some investment behind me so I can do with it what I know I can do what I want to do or it's a kind of lifestyle business which I'm not really interested in or it just fails it just dies because of that cash flow problem um so it was a real crossroads like you said at the beginning um and so it was you know there was a lot of soul searching a lot of decision making but once I made the decision to try for investment because nothing is guaranteed Mm -hmm. um then I felt good about that and that it will be an interesting journey to go on regardless of what happens really if I can just talk to you a little bit more about the cash flow side of things, because I agree with you, because I've been in big businesses where mm-hmm. cash flow has been a huge issue and they've just delayed paying suppliers, you know, gone on really long payment terms and all that kind of thing. And um, what were you spending? Money, you know, were you excessively spending or, you know, did you have a big ad bill or in terms of or what were you spending your your cash on in the business? So I do I do advertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know how are people going to find you unless you're telling them about it you know organic growth on things like Instagram these days is so slow you know that's not a sort of tangible way to to grow a business yes it's a shop front but it's not enough on its own Mm. I do advertise not excessively but of course when you've got low order volumes you know any ad spend plus agency fees is siphoning off you're already in my case low profit margins yeah um and then I just have you know a normal amount of overheads I mean I don't pay myself a salary because I can't afford to so you know I keep my overheads as low as possible but but I am have always been a real advocate of outsourcing what you don't know or understand because there's just much greater value in someone supporting you in that yeah, no, I agree. I think as well, because it can take you a lot longer to get to where you want to do if it's not your area of expertise. And that is better time spent doing what is your area of expertise yeah. or what is the only thing that you can do, you know, in terms yeah. of and money and money, because, you know, you might run ads and you're not paying fees, but it's so much trial and error with actually running the ads and the spend that you'd be spending and they wouldn't actually be converting in any way so for me from the get-go I knew that I wanted to advertise needed to advertise and I knew that I would use an agency to do that because it just wasn't anything that I understood and it would have taken me months and months which Mm -hmm. I just didn't have to to learn it um so yeah and the other thing that was costing me quite a lot of money is developing my products because all of my stuff is bespoke from scratch um I pay artists to design the prints because I want them all to be completely unique and then I work with like garment technicians essentially to develop um to develop the pieces because like I said historically I'm not a designer so I know what I want the shape to be or the overall look and feel the fabric but I work with people 
that it's months from when I come up with the idea to when that actual piece of clothing hits, but I'm obviously paying for the development the whole way through that process. And until I've got bigger order volumes, you know, that is just a really expensive way to develop the pieces. It's the only way I want to do it because I want to do it properly. But that's why I've reached a point where I'm like, actually, I'm just going to run out of money and it's not going to be feasible for this kind of business that I want to have to to carry it on like that and in terms of when you're bringing in new how often were you bringing in or are you bringing in new new ranges and new collections well I mean that's something I learned quite early on is that newness is a real motivator for people and you know I have a low um I have low order volumes and a low inventory in relative terms because of how much it is to develop everything and it's just me um so this year I launched products kind of January, February, March, April. I sort of tried to release one thing a month. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely a spring summer collection that was released in sort of different drops because again, yeah. it helps from a cash flow point of view. Everything is on a pre-order, so you get the money in to pay for it, but obviously you don't sell through all the stock. Um so I've tried to, because last year I launched a spring collection and then an autumn collection. There was a lot of selling of the same thing without any newness. And I think that becomes very stagnant for people. Um, so, yeah, this year I did it more more frequently. I, I try to do a kind of drop a month, but just one thing at a time. And are your products made in the UK? They are made, no, they're made either in Portugal or India. Right. Okay. And we're going to talk about the investment in a minute, but you've been very transparent on social media in terms of what's been going on and how you're feeling about the business and and giving that insight. What made you, because, and a lot of people will be going through the same pains that you've been going through and trying, you know, making those decisions. What made you decide to be so transparent? I'm not sure it was a conscious decision. It's, it's kind of who I am. I'm a very much kind of an open book as a person And I think, you know, if I reflect on it, would I change it? I wouldn't change it because I know for a fact that a lot of my kind of followers, and I hate that term, but my Insta crew are invested in the journey and yeah. and in me um you know because a brand you know if you're buying from a big high street brand that's nameless and faceless then that's the experience that you get as well and I think actually if you find a small brand that you like and there's a founder behind it and there's a story and there's a journey you're all kind of in it together yeah. and you know where things work really well for me is when I really consult my audience on colorways and ideas do you like this print do you not um you know when I was developing these t-shirts they were originally completely different colors and it was actually speaking to my audience and realizing how much I needed to lean into that kind of love of like really bright color that made me um change them and they were a total sellout so you know I I like being open and transparent partly because it's just who I am but also you know I get it as a consumer I'm much more interested in a personal journey um and you know I work on my own so I don't have anyone else to talk to know. <laughs> you know it's nice you know, I was just saying that the other I was just saying that this morning to someone that I was doing a podcast with and uh, she's saying do you enjoy doing the podcast and I'm like yeah I said because you know except for clients I don't really speak, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. speak to anyone you know it could be really yeah, lovely. I speak 
my husband, you know, my husband is like great, very supportive, but he's biased. You know, he thinks everything I do is great. He completely believes in me. And I'm like, at a certain point, it's nice to have a discussion. I, you know, I've got some customers. Back and forth. Yeah. Back. Yeah. And they send me messages or they send me pictures. And I actually feel like I sort of know them. Um, and I love that. I don't take that for granted. That is one of my favourite things is the kind of feeling of community. And when people take time out to say, I wore this to this, I absolutely love it. Or I got so many comments or I saw someone wearing one of your things and I was excited. I'm oh, like, that's so nice. It's so sweet. Yeah, it's just yeah. amazing. So, um, yeah, I, re- I actually, you know, like that kind of sharing aspect. Yeah. And so let's So you had some sleepless nights and decided to go down the investment route. I'm sure you had the sleepless mm-hmm. nights. We all have sleepless nights in our business, whether we're going through inve- deciding our investment or not. But um, what so you've what have you done to prepare yourself for that investment, or to go, you know, to start to look for that investment? And what kind of advice can you give yeah. to people that are? And I know you've not secured it yet, and you've not you've not gone out to pitch. I don't uh, yet. But yeah. um, what advice can you give, knowing what you know now? And I know you're at the early stages of it, but what can you share? You know, I think for me, you've got to do a lot of self-reflection, you know, painful and otherwise, I mean, sort of self-reflection in the business. I'm quite good at separating head and heart when it comes to business. And I think that one of the reasons I decided to go down this road is because I could look at the business quite coldly and quite objectively and say, it's not working at the moment. But there's something, there's a real seed of potential. I have got those customers. Mm. I've got an amazing return, returning customer rate, you know, considering how old the business is and all of that, that there's lots of like really positive markers for, for why I think it can be really successful. But as it is and the climate we're in, it's not working. So what do you do here? And, you know, I really undernod about just going, well, we just call it a day. That was just a thing I tried. Um, so I think my advice would be like, really think about it. And if you don't want to do, if you don't want to carry on in whatever way, you know, whatever way that looks like, um, that's fine. You know, you're not doing it for anyone but you. So don't worry about what your friends are going to think, or if you look like you're flip-flopping about or whatever, if it's not like really bringing you joy if it's not giving you energy then it's then it's probably you know not worth doing um and I had those questions to myself can I be asked yeah you know like it's a lot I've already worked so hard um have I kind of got it in me but I think ultimately I decided I've learned so much over the last kind of two years since I started the journey and the year since I launched the business um that I think I have got more to give and I'm really interested to see kind of where it goes. I mean, in terms of practical advice on trying to get investment, you know, what you need in order to find investors is a deck, a pitch deck, which is, you know, the whys and wherefores of, you know, what is so great about your business. Um, you know, the, my, my pitch deck started as one thing, has evolved slightly, but essentially, you know, it's who, what, when, where, why. It's it's what is the business? Why is it good? Why is it investable? You know, how and then how are you going to do all the things that you're talking about? Because, you know, in my pitch deck, I'm saying I want to be disruptive because of the ethical standpoint. You know, I want to kind of write a framework for ethical clothing production that actually other businesses 
can look at and say, you know, that's the level. And I also want to be able to campaign for regulation in that area because there's so much greenwashing and it's absolutely mm-hmm. not not policed in any way. Um, so then there's a lot of, well, how are you going to do that? So, you know, you need to think through what is the business and how am I going to achieve what I'm saying I'm going to achieve, whether it's with, you know, part of the investment might be in staff or expertise in other areas. It doesn't all have to come from you. Um, and you need to know your numbers. <laughs> and with that pitch deck, have you, because I would imagine you're going to, it will go out to different different people and different businesses. Have you specified the amount that you need and then you've had to break that down as to what you would spend that on? No, so uh, not yet. So mm-hmm. I, I know sort of the figure that I'm looking at from an investment point of view. And so when I've looked at the current financial year and then my projections for the next financial year, it very much take, takes into account what that investment would be and therefore how I would spend it kind of over the next year. But I think that would probably be the detail of that would probably be a next step thing. Yeah. So once they once they go, yes, I'm interested in this brand and what yeah. Wilder Ones is about, yeah. let's be, and then you can break down and, and go into the nitty-gritty. Great. Right. And you know, looking back, would you have done anything differently? Would you have still started the brand? Um, I think I would have started it. Yeah. I very much a kind of regret what you don't do, not what you do yeah. kind of a person. You know, it's been fascinating apart from anything else you know a guy I know who's a CEO himself who's exited a business was talking to me the other day he he's exited an energy business he knows nothing about retail he was quizzing me and he was like what about this what about this you know how do you reach your customer what about and I was just answering his questions and he was like wow you have learned a lot he was like Mm. you've basically been doing an on-the-job MBA for the last two years I was like Shit, you know, I never thought of it like that. And but saved actually, yourself 40 grand, I think. Well, I know you <laughs> got money on me, but I think an MBA was more than 40 grand. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been so fascinating. And I do have a real appetite for like learning and and stuff, not in the kind of conventional academic sense necessarily. Um, hands on. Yeah, that practical experience. So I wouldn't not start it. Of course, there are things that I would do differently. You know, a lack of experience in fashion overall has meant that I have had to invest in external help with certain things. I definitely overordered on my first collection because I was just like, uh, that much, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know. Um, And that ultimately cost me because I had to donate a lot of it. Um, Can I just ask you about that? In terms of when you first started, how had you, had you grown an audience or were you kind of launching cold? So I launched on social in the January. So I started chipping away at finding an audience by the time I launched I still had under a thousand followers Mm -hmm. but I did a quite a protracted launch campaign on social in terms of talking about you know why I was starting this brand why it was important I went through all the pillars in terms of the sort of organic and the ethically made and you know the zero landfill commitment Mm -hmm. um back then I was talking a lot about unisex kids wear and why that was important so you know I really did expand on all those areas um and talk to my audience a lot and then I started teasing the collection so by the time it came out you know people were excited so that was Um, January you started talking and which month did you launch April yeah okay Great. Yeah. I just I always stress to people that it's so important to launch as early as you can. In, not launch, sorry, talk about it and build that awareness uh-huh. as early as early as you can. And what kind of just in terms of your volumes then? So you have an audience of about a thousand. What initial volumes say like on one item were you buying? 
oh my god I mean I was ordering like 50 of each thing per size in some of them okay it was absolutely stupid I mean absolutely like what 300 units per yeah Yeah. and and you know I was just like oh and then I that's a lot yeah it was crazy crazy numbers you know now the highest volume on one you know item I've ordered is 150 across sizes and that's still that's me a year later so um a hundred percent I made you know I just made massive errors in judgment um so you know those are the things that I would do differently there's some there's some sort of practical things that I would advise people against you know order as little as you possibly can mm-hmm. um because you want to you want to test the water and see how it goes I took advice from a brand who started with those kind of volumes they were like this is how much I started with and I didn't know any difference so I was like oh okay now yeah. I look at it like that brand's a complete unicorn to have been able to start with those volumes you know they had some serious connections I think um, as well there's some it's some and sometimes you're better off ordering less making making less profit to begin with and potentially maybe it maybe of doing it in the UK or do you know doing a real small run yeah. making less money yeah. but doing that testing and then finding out what works and then repeating it and then you yeah. would, I suppose it's just that stock at the beginning because if you've got stock you're sitting on cash it's just exactly. in your stock you know exactly and you know I always say that to people I'm like well you have got money but your money is in stock but if you can't release that money you know if you just get to the point where your audience is simply not big enough you simply can't find them you know because I have do have a zero zero landfill commitment I mean as if I ever would have sent any of the clothes to landfill mm-hmm. but I donated them to like refugee families and kids in poverty um at huge expense ultimately because yeah. it was 600 pieces of clothing I donated Gosh. um so yeah it feels good but you know from a cold business point of view you rather the money in the bank yeah, yeah. I mean, just yeah. it was just my money because it was my money in the business I was just throwing money away um that's a lot of cash right you know when you're saying 600 units and I just think it's really it's just so important like 600 units probably about you know what three four grand in stock or something like that that you've just given to someone you know imagine giving three or four grand from your hand to another Mm. you know it was crazy it was it was worth a lot and that's the thing because it's ethically made you know my margins were low it was all organic like it was expensive to buy as a as a consumer because it was expensive to make yeah me um so yeah I mean that was a huge mistake but you know I've, I've heard someone far smarter than me say, you know, failure is not an end point. Failure is a data point. Absolutely. But that's only if you can afford for failure to be a data point, because for some people, if you don't have the money, failure will be an end point. And that's kind of the, the point that I've got to in the business where it's like a couple of things haven't gone my way. So are you going to make it a data point, learn from it and now push on? Because I feel like I've got so much knowledge now and mm-hmm. obviously way more to learn still. Or am I just going to go, that, that was hard, that kind of killed it and I kind of can't be asked to carry on. And that's the discussion that I have with myself a lot to get to this point. So other than the ordering the stock, is there anything that you would have maybe done sooner, you know, in your business than, than what you did do like you know looking back and from a, when you did that self-reflection what what did you think you would have done maybe differently the only thing I would do differently potentially is just um start looking for investment sooner potentially you know I sort of wish I could have seen this coming a bit sooner um 
because it is quite a long drawn out process in terms of how long it takes to actually put the deck together, get it to a point where you think, you know, you can show it to people. Um, so I probably would have just wanted to have a bit more foresight in that area. Um, you know, because in terms of taking, you know, would I have taken more risks and just jumped into more things? I don't, it, you know, the only area where that would be relevant is where I am right now in terms of should I have decided to close down the website and focus on investment or could I have actually just ploughed on? Mm -hmm. um, but I feel, you know, I've made the decision that I have and I made it based on where I was at the time because I had a very poor month of sales that just really crippled me and I felt that I had no choice. As it turned out, the next month was then quite decent. If those months have been the other way around, who knows like where we'd be now, but we are where we are. So, you know, that's it really. A bit more foresight, so I potentially could have started the ball rolling with the investment, but no, no, no major regrets. And what do you think that you've learned about yourself during the whole process? Do you know, I feel like I'm quite a self-aware person. So in a way, you know, I knew what I was like going into it. But where I would definitely say that over the last couple of years, I've what I've really learned about myself is that I am actually creative and that I completely thrive off creativity. And this is something I've spoken about on my Instagram. Um, at school, I wasn't arty and therefore I wasn't considered creative. And those two mm. things are not the same thing no. and even in my in my working life before you know when I used to work in events I was very much the operations side of the business but I also did a lot of creative came up with a lot of event mm -hmm. concepts but it was never really I was never really recognized for it and over the last couple of years I've realized when I'm working in the business where I absolutely buzz and where I thrive is when I'm designing clothes coming up with ideas for patterns and you know lo and behold I do have an audience who absolutely love the clothes and who respond to the ideas that I come up with so I suppose the biggest thing that I've realized and really leaned into is that creativity. Great and just my last couple of questions here in terms of so if the let's imagine you've you've secured your investment you've got it where yeah. do you want to see the brand going then? Where where would you like it to be? For me, I never want to be a huge, you know, enormous brand. I want to, I would much rather there be a scarcity issue with the clothes and, you know, not everyone who wants them can have them rather than total oversupply and, and having that problem. Um, I'm just not interested in that from a kind of environmental point of view either. Yeah. But, but I would love to be able to ultimately have a bigger customer base and a bigger product range. And my plan, if I do get the investment this autumn, would be to come back in the spring with definitely still a capsule collection, but a bigger collection than I've been able to release before. Um, because I've just got so many ideas and to just continue to grow it, but very much in consultation with my customer. So mm -hmm. that there's that kind of that feedback, that two way street. And, you know, there's something about being a woman, um, you know, a mom, no like fashion background. What I'm designing is stuff that I want to wear, that I like to wear, that feels comfortable, that doesn't compromise on, you know, comfort but also style, but not in an overcomplicated kind of overthought way. And I do feel that some of my stuff 
sort of empowers because people message me and they're like oh my god I need the shirt in every possible colorway it's just so great I wear it all the time or this is so comfortable this is so flattering or I, I always used to wear black and you know now you've got me into color and stuff it's just which is a great thing to hear isn't it that's a lot I saw that actually I think on one of your either a post or a comment on your Instagram yeah. And I get, you know, I get stuff like that quite often. And I was that person, you know, my friends take the piss out of me because they say I always used to say that I would wear quality fabrics in muted tones. And then I just discovered colour and I was like, why am I doing this? Like life's too short. You know, wearing colour like has a real impact on how you feel, what you're putting out there. Uh, You know, it really has energy. Um, And listen, there's lots of clothing brands out there. Um, But I think if you can find your customer and you're speaking their language, then you can continue to sort of make stuff that makes them happy. And um, it's a nice little ecosystem. So so kind of remaining a brand as you are in terms of what your ethos is, but just being able to serve more customers and be, you know, get out there a little bit more. From a, from a brand point of view. And what would you say, this is my last question for you, in terms of if there's, um, if there's people that are listening and that are at a crossroads like yourself, mm-hmm. like that you were mm-hmm. in their business, what advice would you give them? I would say, you know, like I said before, sort of talk to yourself and listen to yourself. If you, you know, if you don't want to do it anymore, don't do it and really be sort of ruthless with yourself having that discussion um if you do want to go for it then you know dedicate the time to it that you can and you know put your all into it obviously but just go for it because like I've said to people even if the investment doesn't come off for me I'm going to suck every bit of knowledge I can out of the experience it's like I said to you about the last two years and what I've learned you know if I come out the other side of this and I decide not to take the business forward or I don't get investment I definitely want to use what I've learned over the last couple of years. And I feel that I could help other people and impart wisdom in kind of untold ways at the moment. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I just think, you know, everything is an opportunity for like learning and knowledge. So, um, you know, if you decide you're going to go for it, just go for it. Don't worry too much about the end point. You know, my sister said to me the other day, Oh, well, what if you get the investment? And then like, what is your like five year, what's your exit strategy? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that is so, it's not even worth talking about. It's so far, of course, an investor's going to ask me that. They're going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is something I need to think about. But just a conversation on the fly with my sister, I'm like, <laughs> what? Are, I mean, You're like, I've got so much other things to think about right you now. Know what? Like, God knows. I mean, because at the moment I'm at this, you know, I haven't even spoken to one potential investor would just cross that bridge when we come to it kind of thing so I think you know it's just one step at a time isn't it that's what I'd say to people because it took a long time for me to go yeah I am going to go for it because you know I went on holiday with my girlfriends and I was like just tell me what to do in the business could someone just make a decision for me I was completely conflicted I was completely stuck you know but slowly I've thought about it more has happened and it's come to me and the decision feels right now so you know just take it one day at a time Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me, Nikki. And I hope to see, I know the, the, the website's written down for a couple of months, but I hope to see you smiling in spring with an investor and moving forward. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. And if you've enjoyed the episode, then I would love for you to leave a review and I'll be back again next Thursday with an amazing guest. <laughs>